0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org.
1: So before I open it up for questions, there are a couple of things that I thought I'd follow on from this morning, but oh, I have a few announcements first. I don't want to forget those. So tomorrow, we'll start the the practice discussion groups. And um, those will be posted, I'll post actually the first six days. Essentially, you'll be seen every third day. So starting tomorrow, if you're seen tomorrow, then you'll be seen also on Friday. So it will be seen Tuesday and Friday. Um, there's going to be five groups total. And so that will be rotating over three days. Um, so th- those will be posted. And then I will, in addition, post some individual signups. You'll each get four group meetings during the retreat. And it will be the same group each time. So you'll get familiar with the, the group that you're in. And then I have enough slots to offer each of you, um, the 25 of you who are registered for the retreat. I don't have slots, unfortunately, for the, those of you who are auditing the retreat, the, mostly the resident volunteers. I don't have slots for you to sign up on. Um, but I have a slot, one slot for each of you available for the first six days. So in this first week, you'll have two group meetings and one individual meeting. The individual meeting is optional. It's not required. If you don't, don't wish to sign up for it, you don't have to. So we'll institute a policy. I'll decide it tomorrow about how long we'll wait before somebody else could take that slot. Then in addition, each day I, I left aside a couple more times that I have available um, and it'll be clear. It'll be a separate little sheet, a separate little si- sign-up sli- sheet that I'll post each day. Um, if you're finding you're struggling or in need of a conversation that day, there's going to be two to three uh, slots for that each day. So I'm hoping this, is, um, this offers you enough um, both individual and group meeting time here on the retreat. So I'll post... I will post, tomorrow I don't have extra slots, but, tomorrow I'll, but I'll post the, uh, the, the first week of group meetings and the first week of individual signups right after this meeting. And then a few follow-ons from, t- uh, from this morning. When we're exploring awareness and what we're aware of, when we recognize awareness, I'm aware, and then what we are aware of, sometimes that object or that experience that we are aware of is very clear, very defined, like the sound of a car or the sound of a bird or a specific body sensation or a specific image that appears in the mind or perhaps a very clear emotional experience like anger or um, frustration. So, so sometimes when we are aware and then noticing what we're aware of, the what we are aware of is very, very clear. It's, it's not at all um, confusing, not at all vague, just it seems quite precise. And yet other times when we notice what we are aware of, it seems vague or amorphous. For instance, a state of mind like sleepiness can have this quality. Or a state of mind like um, confusion can have this quality. Or sometimes even body sensations can be very kind of vague or uh, just diffuse. It's kind of like if you look up in the sky at night we might even be able to see it here if we get to the, the new moon. Um, often you'll see some very specific stars. The moon you see very clearly. You may see the planets very clearly. And then there's the Milky Way, which is just like a wash of, you, can't, you cannot really pick out anything specific in the Milky Way, but we know what it is. It's got this kind of wash-like quality to it. And so very similarly, sometimes in our experience, the objects that are known are very clear. And sometimes it's more like something that you can't really pin down. So just be aware of that. It's not a mistake if there's an experience that doesn't feel precise It doesn't necessarily mean that you're not being mindful in the proper way. It may simply mean that that object is diffuse. And so you can just recognize diffuse object. You may not even know what it is, but you can just recognize the object is diffuse. Sometimes we might not even know at all what the, the object or the experience is. We know that we're aware but we have no idea what it is that we're aware of. That's all right too. At that point, you can just recognize, well, I'm aware, but I don't know. I don't know what the object is. So just, just acknowledge the awareness. You don't have to try to struggle to figure out what awareness is aware of. Over time, sometimes those un, uh, familiar Sometimes the, that happens because the experience that we're Meeting is unfamiliar or very subtle. And so over time, sometimes those unfamiliar or subtle experiences can become more clear just by being willing to just hang out. Okay, yep, I'm aware, but I have no idea what it is that I'm aware of. So awareness is clear. The object is not clear. It also might happen at times that it seems like you're aware of multiple things at the same time. This is also okay. Sometimes we have an idea in our uh, practice that we can only be aware of one thing at a time. And in the technical uh, definition of the way the mind works with the Abhidhamma, only one object per uh, moment of awareness, yes, that's the way that's defined. And yet that definition is defining a mind moment as so vanishingly small that there are said to be 17 trillion of them in the blink of an eye and so from our normal perspective of how we are aware and what we're taking in it can very easily feel like we know a sight and a sound and a body sensation all at the same time and so that's that's fine. So if it feels like you know multiple things at the same time, just know that. Just know that. In fact, the the clearer that the mindfulness gets, the more this happens. The more it feels like we're seeing more things, more than one thing at a time. And in fact we're noticing relationships between things that happen as we, uh, as the uh, the awareness gets more continuous. So that's one thing I wanted to bring up, the noticing the awareness and what you're aware of. Then another piece is to just clarify a little bit. I did talk about this this morning, um, but to clarify a little bit about um, learning to, I sometimes say follow the attention rather than directing the attention. As I said this morning, at any moment, the awareness is attending to something. It's picking something to pay attention to. Whether we consciously choose that something or not, awareness is choosing something to pay attention to. And so, one of the benefits of learning how to track that, kind of like, you know, the awareness is uh, attending to things, and it's kind of like, can we track that? Can we, can we follow along and know what awareness is attending to? One of the benefits of that is that, um, one of the key ways that the mind wanders, I mentioned this with respect to seeing and looking, how when we don't notice, if we don't notice that the mind has moved to attending to something, if we're not clear of that, then very often the mind will wander out of that experience. And so likewise, if we're not familiar with or we're, we're not able to track the, uh, the attention shifting, then that is a key time often when the mind wanders. We're noticing something, we're paying attention to something, paying attention, you know, noticing the obviousness of some body sensation and suddenly the attention moves to a sound, the sound of a bird or something. As it shifts, if we are not clearly aware of that shift, that's a very easy and fast place for the mind to wander. We're paying attention to a body sensation. We hear a very clear sound of a bird. The mind recognizes that and starts thinking about it unless we are right there to notice, oh, attention has shifted. And so this is uh, one of the key ways that the continuity is strengthened, the continuity of the mindfulness is strengthened by being able to track and follow what the mind, the, the mindfulness is attending to at any given time. And then I also mentioned this morning that when the mind wanders, that moment when we wake up It's a good time to check in as to whether or not some kind of tension has crept in to our mind and body again. Because very often when our mind wanders, especially in the early days of retreat, when our mind wanders, it it often wanders into some kind of habit. It wanders into a habit of, of arguing or planning or judging or remembering. And very often it's connected with some emotional stuff. And so very frequently when our mind wanders, it also brings up some emotions uh, and often can bring up a habit of tension again. And so we can check in when, when we wake up, when, our, when we um, come back into mindfulness. A really helpful tool is to check in, has there become tension? Has tension been created in the, in the wandering? So I mentioned that part this morning. It's also not infrequent that when the mind wanders, that sometimes it actually wanders into calm or ease or relaxation. And so, if you're interested in what's happening in experience when You come back into awareness as opposed to judging yourself for having gotten lost. You have the opportunity to check in and see, ah, how am I now that the mind has been wandering? Way more often than I would have thought, the mind was actually more settled, more present in a way, more relaxed, more open after a wander. It was almost as if At least in my mind, I often was over-efforting. I was often like, you know, really striving and, you know, chugging along, doing the practice. And it was almost like my mind was saying, hey, back off a little bit, relax, settle down. And it would just wander out of the present moment because I was doing too much work. And so when I would come back into awareness and notice what was going on, there would be much more ease was almost as if my mind was instructing me about how to be more relaxed and attentive. So you can uh, just check into that, notice that moment. If you are judging yourself in that moment, if you're judging the wandering, you will there's no way you'll notice that possibility because the judgment will immediately bring in some kind of tension. And so this uh, this is a little carrot for you. <laughs> it's a little a little encouragement to really just check in. How are you, the mind having been wandering? Don't make the assumption that it will inherently be problematic or more tense or uh, some kind of hindrance. Actually, sometimes our mind can wander into wholesome mind states. And if we judge the, the wandering, we will miss that entirely. And the last piece I thought I would offer is um, good times to check into the attitude. I suggested checking in every, I don't know, five minutes or so, just from time to time, check in to the relationship to experience. If you are experiencing any sense of conflict or struggle with the meditation, check your attitude. There's usually something going on in the mind that's creating that struggle. And so if there's a sense of of conflict, check your attitude. What's going on? After the mind has wandered, we have checked in to, uh, you know, what you're aware of as the mind returns, that, that part I just talked about. It's also helpful to check the attitude after that. Because sometimes in the wandering also, uh, the wandering can create, well, as I just said, it can create wholesome mind states or unwholesome mind states. And so sometimes those are unseen. And if they're not clearly acknowledged after we return from a wandering, they can become an attitude. They can become a relationship to experience. And then also check in This one may be harder to remember, but if you have a stretch of time when the practice feels like it's going really, really well, check your attitude. Sometimes there can be a little bit of leaning in or excitement that's unseen, something along those lines. So those are the three really good times to check the attitude in addition to just kind of on occasion throughout uh, the meditation checking into your relationship to experience. So, questions about your practice? You were just saying that sometimes you lean into, you know, you get excited or, um, if, if that's what you were doing, what do you need it? Well, it's, it's very similar to what I talked about before of, you know, when you notice an attitude, It's like what what you're noticing there is, oh, you know, so it's going really well. And then you notice, oh, excitement. You just acknowledge it. And it's, it's, it's like the taking the glasses off. Right. Instead of it being, oh, what am I gonna see? Oh, I'm gonna I'm doing so great. Oh and, and then the mind kind of getting agitated. It's like, oh, excitement's happening. And we can actually know that. But we don't actually have to, to say like, oh excitement, let me look at that under a microscope. Let me figure out what excitement is, let me just know that it's there and just keep going. Okay, excitement's present and, and I'm aware and I know the excitement and And what else is obvious? Oh, jitteriness in the body is obvious. So just keep noticing what's obvious. Yeah, thanks.
0: Yeah? Is there a time where it might be helpful to, I guess, depending on the attitude, to to do some relaxation, to go back if you're... A little too
1: wound up either, excited or struggling? Yes. Um, the rough guideline that I use, so the question, I better repeat the question. The question is, is there any time when you notice um, that you're too wound up or th- that you're too tense to actually take some action to do something as opposed to simply receiving, receiving, receiving? Yes, this is... Um, This is a very important point in our meditation. What is the wisdom about when to simply be receiving, simply to recognize, yes, I'm aware. I know what I'm aware of. To just continue with that and when to take some action. The rough guideline that I suggest is, um, are you able to be present? for whatever it is that's happening. So, you notice you're noticing tension. You're noticing that. And you know, very very often when we because of our habits of practice in a way, it's like, "Oh, I'm noticing this this hindrance, you know, I'm noticing a little bit of anxiety or agitation or anger. Let me bring in the metta or something." You know, we 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 have our our tools that we use when we have certain mind states. So, what I'd like to suggest is first see if you can be aware of that experience. It will not be pleasant. Often these, def- these, these hindrances, these uh, uh, reactive states of mind uh, are not pleasant. And sometimes because they're not pleasant, we, want to ha- we have a tendency to want to do something to get rid of them. And so that's something we want to just you know, look out for be to be careful of. If you hang out with it for a while, if you're noticing, yeah, okay, I can be aware of it. Yeah, yeah, I can be aware of this agitation., yeah, yeah I can I can be, a-. but it feels like it's getting stronger. The agitation's getting stronger, then that would probably be a time to out of wisdom, out of compassion for your mind rather than out of reactivity or out of wow this is this is uh, this doesn't feel good so let me bring in the meta but more out of recognizing the mindfulness isn't quite strong enough to meet this so let me bring in a, another tool let me one of the 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 best things to do might just be simply to redirect the attention pick something that feels really grounding for you you know just an experience that that easily settles you. Open your eyes, maybe take a walk, just do something that that supports your coming back into the continuity of mindfulness. But we have to be um, um, wise about it, because I think very often we assume, we assume that We cannot be mindful in certain states, or we assume that it's not a good idea to be mindful of a certain state, partly because it doesn't feel good. You know, it's it's sometimes, I remember when I first started learning to be aware of anger, you know, my my first response was, what? I'm supposed to be aware of this? Really? You know, this is, this like doesn't feel very good. What good is it going to do to be aware of this? So there was that initial kind of idea in the mind that it either wasn't a good idea or would not be helpful. And those are mistaken ideas. It is possible to be mindful of reactive states of mind. And actually the awareness, the mindfulness of the discomfort that those bring is part of how the wisdom grows. Because we see anger arising and we are aware of it. And right there in the moment, right there in the moment, whatever the reactive emotion is, generally it has a, a, a sense that this is not well-being in the moment. And so this is a learning as we become aware of these reactive states, as we bring mindfulness to them, we get the visceral, experiential learning in this moment. This is not... This is not well-being. And this is part of how wisdom grows. So, um, I I just like to encourage people to take a little time with some of these states that we would habitually think, oh, it's time to bring in, you know, maybe I should pay attention to the breath a little more closely or bring in the metta or do something else because the mind is reactive to take a little time and see if it's possible to be present for that. Even for 10, 15 seconds, stretch your capacity to be aware of that before bringing in your tools. And it will, uh, it will ultimately serve you and then the learning, the development of wisdom around those states can begin to happen. So is that, is that clear? You, you wanna ask another question or follow on from that? Okay, great, thank you. Yeah? So, when that happens, I stay, I stay with that strong emotion. And I'm aware of it, and at some point, like you say, it gets stronger. And at some point I say, okay, it's enough. Yeah. So,
0: there, the, the awareness, then I get, then there's a state of confusion there on
1: where to go. Where to put the attention? Okay. Um, so I just stay there to see what happens. And sometimes I just, okay, let me just go and get a cup of tea or let me just relax a little bit. Or um, is that. So there's a few things you can do in a time when you recognize the mindfulness is getting overwhelmed. Basically, that's what's happening there. You know, and, and, and the, the recognizing, getting familiar with the feeling of the exasperation rising, that's really helpful because that's, that's also an indication perhaps that, okay, maybe it's time to, to change the channel. So there's a, a few th- different things you can try. One is whatever it is that, so you've been noticing something, a difficult emotion. And, you know, often it's related to something you know, it's related to a pain in the knee or it's related to a thought in the mind. Whatever it is that it's related to, see if you can allow the tension to not attend to that. So, you know, if it's related to the pain in the knee, you know, let, let yourself shift postures. Um, you know, maybe just move a little bit. Let, let that ease. Or if it's related to thinking about something, you might need to do something a little bit more like you know, opening your eyes or um, uh, even going up and going for a walk or something like that. So just let your attention shift to some other domain, some other area of experience. Sometimes it's really helpful to have a go-to place, for the attention. You know, we could call this our primary object. Um, I have found personally for myself that using the breath as a primary object in this kind of situation where there's a reactive emotion, for me at least, using the breath in that scenario is not so helpful. I've talked to people for whom it is, where if you, it, you know, if you have a really a familiar relationship with the breath and you can like, set aside anger or frustration or exasperation and just, okay, right, the breath. Let me just hang out with the breath for a little while. That'll settle me down. If that works for you, great. For me, it didn't particularly work because, uh, at least in my experience, uh, emotions have very strong sensations in this area of the body where the breath is felt. And so if I tried to turn to the breath when I was experiencing a reactive emotion, it was like the breath was involved in the reactive emotion, and it just kind of looped me back into it. And so I learned to put my attention on something really neutral, like my feet on the ground or sensations of hands or going to hearing. You know, using the the object of hearing often is is helpful because... It's not in the physical body. It's often a kind of neutral place. And so you, you, to have some kind of place that's familiar that you can go to, for myself with that you know, long practice I did around anger, often I was walking when the anger would arise and I would just like let myself ground in my feet. It's like, yep, I, okay, yep, that anger's coming and I know that I'm gonna get swamped. So let me just put my attention in my feet. So just to, you know, just to find something that for you is a refuge experience. Um, So those are a few suggestions of things to try. Another possibility is um, kind of letting the attention get bigger. You know, it's like, sometimes when we're caught in something, it's like, our attention gets really constricted. So we're experiencing pain in the knee and the frustration about th- around that and then there's the exasperation coming in and it's like our attention is narrowed to this little domain of that emotion and everything that we see is in that field. All of our body sensations are related to that, all of our emotions are related to that sometimes we can actually just consciously remind ourselves this is the present moment and there are thousands of things happening let me just check it out you know what else is going on here it's just like you know reminding yourself that there's a vast world of things other than that little domain of reactivity the domain of reactivity feels like it's big because the attention has kind of dived under and into it and so if you can kind of take a step back and Oh right, seeing is happening. Right, hearing's happening. Okay, yes, and oh, and there's that frustration. So it's not like trying to not. This is another thing, another way. You know, sometimes just change the channel. Don't let yourself attend to the thing that's creating the reactivity. But sometimes we can just make the container bigger and just recognize. Yep, okay, there's sights happening and sounds happening and. The sensations of my feet are happening. Oh, and there's that frustration. Okay, that's happening. And keep it big. Okay, and there's sights. So just keeping the container a little bigger can also be helpful. So those are a few tools. And I would say if none of those work, maybe it's a good time to go have a cup of tea. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, but what about the slightly different experience? Um, not necessarily in the context of reactivity, of just periodically checking in with the body and mind to see if they are
0: relaxed, and to sometimes take like little breaks to do a small body scan, cultivate relaxation, just as part of maintaining
1: the container. So what what I, the thing I would encourage there is if you are present enough to be in a container that's aware, I would look at what is the intention that's connected with the movement to check in and do something different. It may be wisdom, and sometimes we find this happens kind of organically, you know we're we're just paying attention we're we're noticing things and suddenly it's like oh relax it's like almost the word relax appears in the mind and we haven't even asked it to and then it's like oh okay ooh relax that's nice <laughs> and so sometimes that happens almost organically and not because i've decided oh let me relax now but it's more that it's just seems to have arisen if it's just arisen, just notice that you don't have to like stop doing anything. whatever's arising, you know, oh relax, oh, okay, relax is arising. it's not like, oh, relax is arising, let me do something else It's, oh relaxes aware of that, aware of relaxation that happens as a result of that. It's just continue being aware and so notice whether it's actually you a sense of intentionally jumping in to do something, or whether it's more of an organic unfolding that's just like the natural process that's, maybe wisdom is arising and inclining you in that direction. If it does feel like it's a conscious intention, look at where that's coming from. It may be that that's coming from something that you haven't quite noticed, so for instance, you're, 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 paying, you're paying attention, you're noticing what's going on, you're noticing sound and body sensations, and you haven't actually noticed that there's been a little bit of tension creeping in. You haven't been consciously aware of tension. And, and then there's this thought, oh, maybe I should relax, which is a response to that tension which has not been seen. So that's just an example. But, you know, check in, you know, it's like, okay, oh, wow, you know, it feels like it'd be a really good idea to relax right now. What's happening in that moment that is encouraging that I'm not saying to not do it. But notice why notice the intention, notice the reason why that's happening. If you have enough presence of mind to consciously choose that, you can probably, you probably have enough mindfulness to check in for the intention there.
0: You gave an instruction just at uh, the beginning of this about um, checking in every five minutes or so and asking yourself if you're
1: aware. That's for the attitude, every five minutes or so. The, o- are you aware what are you aware of? That's more regular. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the checking in, am I aware of what am I aware of? That's the, that's the continual ongoing effort that we make. And it may or may not be an actual question in the mind. Sometimes at the beginning, especially if you're new to the practice, it can be helpful to you know, consciously ask that question. Aware. And then kind of let yourself take in. Ah, yeah, aware. And then of what? And know of what you are aware. And just, you know, a few times do that. And then, you know, it starts to get more uh, natural that we just are aware of that awareness and what we're aware of. And just, just feels like a little bit of Connect connect, connect. It's not an intentional thought in the mind or it's not, a, it's not verbalizing a thought in the mind. It's an intention towards connecting. It's the factors of vitaka and vichara, the aiming and the sustaining of the attention that the Buddha talks about. It can be accompanied by thought, but it doesn't have to be verbalized in the mind. So, But that's the work. That's the work. Yeah, the every five minutes check the relationship. Thank you for clarifying that.
0: Um, Well, (coughs) this is all new to me, so um, I have some confusion that's coming up and um, I'm trying to get my head to wrap around it all and sort of cerebral and uh, I'm finding myself wanting to get it, um, and so just practicing it, um, I think I'm one of these people who has 17,000 thoughts in the blink of an eye, you know, just mind is constantly moving in, so I ask myself, awareness, am I aware? and just asking that question seems like brings awareness
1: yes okay yeah if you ask the question if you can even remember to ask the question you are aware and sometimes it seems like why bother to ask the question but it highlights the experience of awareness so that's why to ask that question yeah okay and then the second question
0: i'll think oh yeah i just had this thought but it's like fleeting and i can almost like hardly remember it and do I want to kind of hold on to that and just let that
1: go? Right? Yeah, yeah, it's just like, essentially it sounds like what you're noticing is something rapidly changing. Mm-hmm. It's not so much that you're noticing, I mean, yes, you're aware of the thought, but actually mostly what you're aware of is, wow, it's vanishing. Okay, that's gone. And what, what else is here? Right. So just notice what else is there. And if the mind gets kind of agitated at this point, you know, I don't know what's happening there. I mean, it... it what, what's happening in that moment? Were you were you trying to like go back or? Well,
0: I wasn't sure because I wanted to have an object, you know. And I was, oh yeah, I just had that thought, so why don't I explore that a little
1: bit? Yeah, see, let that go. Okay, that's so yeah, let yeah that that thought's gone. What's what's here now? Okay, so and it may also be something that's changing very fast. It sounds like you're, you know, you've, you've. Uh, I looked at your sheet a little bit. You've done a lot of practice, so you have a lot of experience with being present, and so it may well be that what you're, you entering into, is just sitting with a lot of change. Mm-hmm. And you know, so that's something you can also just know. It's like, right, okay, yep, aware, aware of change. You don't have to actually like jump on every single object. Okay. so like. Yeah. The yes. So then the
0: question is, what am I aware of? It's almost like those two questions could be one. Just what am I aware
1: of? Well, the, the distinction, it's, it's highlighting an important distinction uh, of the awareness itself mm-hmm. as, because it's a separate piece of the, it's a separate function in the mind. And it's really helpful to start to get, to, get familiar with the experience of awareness itself. Just asking the question, what am I aware of, highlights the objects. It highlights, you know, the touch or the sound. So the attention tends to go towards the object itself with that question. And so to ask the, the other question is more to kind of settle back and uh, what is awareness? What is actually the experience of awareness? We can be mindful either of the, the kind of the knowing side of the equation, the aware side, or the what we are aware of. And so we're working with both sides in this practice. So the, the first question is emphasizing the awareness, and the second, what, we, what awareness is aware of. So,
0: am I aware? Just asking the question, the
1: answer is, is yes. Correct. Yes. So that's
0: why it seems kind
1: of. Yes, that's what I said. It seems kind of redundant, but it highlights, okay. asking that question highlights, right, awareness. Wow, it's kind of mysterious. You know, how how do I know I'm aware? What is awareness? What is that experience? Let yourself kind of feel into that for a moment. Get familiar with that experience itself. What is awareness? Yes, okay, yeah, I know I'm aware. So over time, the more we recognize, yes, I know I'm aware, the more we get, the more the experience of awareness itself becomes very tangible. And then we we kind of can settle back and rest in the awareness, and the objects take care of themselves. We don't even really need to be dealing much with the objects. We're just taking care of the awareness. I, I'm
0: just going to want to trust that I'll
1: get. To that. Yeah, I, yeah.
0: Because to me, it's I don't see. Yeah, anything. and that's
1: fine. And and it's yeah, yeah it's it's. Am I aware?
0: Then the question of,
1: is of what. Yes. It's just obvious yes. Yes. Or maybe it's not tangible. Maybe it's like you say. It's the, just sometimes intense it's intense the wash. Sometimes it's a lot of things rapidly changing. And so just keep checking into that. Am I aware? You know, don't let that go, because it will begin to highlight something a little different okay. over time. It is. It is a little mysterious. <laughs> okay,
0: I thought I can be in that.
1: Don't know. trust place. So then,
0: <laughs> my question is like, how? How far do I go? I mean, as the
1: same object. So, <coughs> when we become aware of thought, there's a distinction. And maybe I'll bring this into the, um, the instructions tomorrow a little bit because uh, I don't have much time here. I wanted to stop at quarter of. Um, there's a distinction between being aware of or kind of involved in the content of the thought and the fact of thinking itself. You know, just knowing, oh, thought is happening. So um, for our meditation practice here, I will say this is, this is a difference between practice on retreat and practice in daily life. Because in daily life we let ourselves know the content more. We, 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 we engage with the content of our thoughts more. Here, we actually don't need much engagement with that. a little bit in our yogi jobs, we need to engage with the content of our thoughts, but pretty much on the cushion, we don't need our thoughts. We don't need to be following our thoughts. And so you might be curious about um, uh, how how is that thought, You know, first of all, what is, is that thought connected to an emotion? You know, it's just kno- knowing kind of the bigger terrain. And if it is connected to an emotion, if there's reactivity, do not pay attention to the content of that thought. Let yourself come to the experience in the emotional terrain, in the body terrain. If you attend to the thought that is linked to the reactivity, it's likely to just keep the reactivity churning along. And so, um, you know, let go of the thought and attend to just what's happening. It, sometimes thoughts will just flit through and not have much. Um, emotional response, it's just like an image, or, um, or some, you know, like we're talking to ourselves. Sometimes it can be helpful in terms of recognizing the process of thinking, if we uh, acknowledge the modality in which the thinking is happening. So images was one way that the thoughts happen or as if we're hearing somebody talk to us or as a radio's playing is another way or as if we're talking to ourselves and so acknowledging the modalities like oh talking to myself that's how this is known as a thought so that's being aware of the thought itself as a process in the mind as opposed to being interested in the content. I understand
0: Okay. And I won't ask any more questions and I've got a lot but what would really be helpful? Through it, in the sense of like you are experiencing it, like ha- the process. Does that make sense? um like,
1: like how far to go with each experience? Like it, what I think I'm hearing is that it's about the relationship. You A know, lot of it's about the relationship. Investigating yeah. Investigating that and finding patterns. And, um, it, mostly, it's can you know just what's happening now? It's not so much about digging or trying to, its a, sometimes um, Saito Upandita gave this analogy about you know being attentive. He said it's kind of like you know just having a soft cloth touching the, ex- the experience. It's like this, it's like just contact just with what's there on the surface and so the, the continuity of the mindfulness is like that soft cloth it reveals more and more of what's there and so it's more about patience in a way i think sometimes with our habit of of old habits of practice and certainly i was in this camp it's like ooh here's something let me pull it apart let me look at all the pieces of it let me see how it's working and you know that's kind of like like taking this thing and like trying to pick it apart and figure out what's inside of it that's uh, a way of doing investigation This practice is more organic and more about patience. So it's more about just, okay, what's here? What's obvious? It's like wide, wide uh, arms, you know, what's obvious right now? And just, can I be in contact with that? And that's gonna be like shifting and changing, especially if there's reactivity, you know, it's like, there you are hanging out with, uh, Anxiety, and it's like, okay, well, anxiety's here. Oh, wow, okay, there's the, the kind of the, the flush through the body. Okay, that's there. Okay, can I be with that? Yep, okay. And then, woo, something else, some other aspect of anxiety comes in. A, a rat, An agitation in the mind. It's like, okay, yep, I can be with that. And then suddenly the, the feeling drops. It's like the pit of, okay, oh, yeah, I can be with that. It's not like trying to do that. It's more the willingness to hang out with the changing flow and let the it's more like being a naturalist. You know, you, you if you're a naturalist, you you take a walk through the woods and you just observe what's there. Each day you go th- walking through the woods and ob- woods and observe how things change. You don't go in and chop the tree down and try to figure out, you know, the structure of the cells and I mean some scientists do that. And that's a way that we learn about things. But this practice is more about the naturalist approach. Taking a walk through this terrain, what's it revealing to me right now? And patience, because we often have the idea that we want to understand it, get to the bottom of it, find out what's inside of it, that's where I'll get free, is thinking we'll dive into the middle and then the whole thing will fall apart. You know, to to have a little more patience and just like, each time it comes up, each time a, an experience comes up, a familiar a pattern or habit, each time it comes up, it's like we get a little bit of different perspective on it, another angle on it, or a different piece of the puzzle. Just like taking a walk through the woods and accepting what's offered in the walk through the woods in terms of the learning that happens. So it's more like that. So it's, it's, a, it's a shift from our our usual way of practicing, I think. For me it really was. So let's just take a moment of silence and let the words settle.